Hello and welcome to Holy Days. I'm Pastor Sean and I'm here with Apostle Freddie and we just want to welcome you today. This is our last parsha in the book of Leviticus. All right. Well, it's been fun and we're closing it out. So we're going to be talking about what the sabbatical year and some of that nature today. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. So uh, uh, we hope you've been enjoying uh, our teachings. Uh, you know, God has in, blessed us, enriched our lives, and uh, been able to bring this to you. So uh, excited about what today is going to bring us. Amen. Uh, we're, uh, we got Behor and Behukatah, and it is on the mount for Behor, and Behukatah is in my statutes. Okay. That's what that means. So it's, uh, this parsha starts with the laws of the Shemitah. It's uh, the sabbatical year, as he, as he mentioned, where the children of Israel do not plant any crops in their fields or even tend to them. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's in that seventh year, they don't plant anything. And I'll just go ahead and explain a little bit. You know, they, uh, they don't plant at all, but the year before, they get kind of a triple portion. Mm-hmm. Because the way you've got to look at it is a lot of people would say a double portion, but it's a triple portion. Because mm-hmm. they can't plant the next year. Right. Or get it right away then either. So they're, they're missing that gap. Mm-hmm. So they got their harvest for the year they're on. They get the harvest for the next year. And they get a little bit more so they can plant and have time. You know, this theory is, shows us God blesses us, prepares beforehand. So he gives enough in that sixth year to, to sustain the sixth year, to sustain the seventh year that you don't plant, and to sustain the next year, or would be the first year again in the new cycle, to tell you that crop come in. So it is a threefold. But you know, many times, uh, Sean, uh, people are praying and uh, they're going through life and all of a sudden they say, wow, look at this big blessing I got just out of nowhere. And uh, they... Uh, a lot of times they'll, it'll be a financial blessing, and they'll take that and spend it just to turn around and have something come up a month or two months. Oh, if I hadn't have spent that, I would have had that extra money. Uh, and sometimes we don't realize that God blesses before the crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're most of the time today get into the crisis and look for the blessing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think this is an example that God can show us that I know what's coming and I'll take care of you beforehand. And, and you know, he kind of uh, ends up pleading with them, mm-hmm. you know, because if you'll obey, then I'll take care of all these things. Yes, yes. And, you know, and there some of our earlier parshas and some of the things we're talking about, you know, that reverence for God to pray before things mm-hmm. instead of reacting to everything. Mm-hmm. So you can you can have a reactive prayer life, right? A predictive prayer life. So. Yeah, you know, uh, most people don't pray till there is that crisis, yeah. um, and you should every day. Every day you should read the Word of God. Every day uh, you should pray, and I know that uh, I hear people say, "Well, at the end of the day, if, if I'm not too tired." Well, you know, I'm going out into the world today. Uh, today is where I am to make my living. Today is what I need to sustain myself. So I'm going to ask God's blessing before I go out, not after I come back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, many times when I preach, I use uh, being a country boy, 
been no squirrel hunter, I always tell people, you got to load the gun before you go squirrel hunting. You can't load it after you get home. Uh, so uh, that's the same way. we got to load up, pray, get ourselves built up in our most holy faith, and uh, read the Word because you'll be surprised when you do daily readings how many times a day that work. Oh, I read that this morning, mm -hmm. and it will help us. And uh, I really like uh, the teachings that we've been into because they teach us about obedience. Mm -hmm. And we, I think this lesson is a whole lot about obedience. So uh, let's, let's see where else it, it takes us today. And, you know, there's one thing I want to mention, you know, because th you'll have people in churches and other things that are not praying predictively. Mm -hmm. They're not praying ahead of time and doing things of that nature. I just want to point something out. Uh, just because you haven't been called doesn't mean you're not supposed to be. Just because you haven't had that moment where you may not have it at the altar, or you think you may be, but you're just kind of chilling till you figure out what God wants to do with your life. Uh, I would say that's, that's a horrible mindset to have because what obedience is key to all of that. You know, how do people get called to the ministry? Do they just magically show up one day and <laughs> automagically? That's the word I'm going to use. Automagically, hey, you're called today. And it's just from one day to the next. But, or is there something where they start seeking and God says, okay. You know, uh, Sean with myself, uh, I had a desire to be used by God. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I didn't zero in and say it has to be this, it has to be that. Uh, I said, just basically... Uh, I had a desire to serve God. And really, when uh, when the Lord intervened in mine and Becky's life, brought healing and restoration to our marriage, and uh, over 30, almost 40 years ago now, um, we, we got involved in church. And I wanted, I told the Lord, I want to be that man's right arm. Just whatever he needs, and I would do it. Because... Uh, not knowing the pressure that and the the weight that a pastor carried, I knew it was was a pressure and a weight. And I thought if I could just help, if I could be his right arm. I mean, to me, what could I do without my right arm? You know, being a right-handed man. Uh, and so that was my goal. And you know, that's that's what we did, Sister Becky and I. That's just what we did. Whatever had need to be done, we would do it. Uh, I tell the story because it was uh, the couple of days, uh, and it may have been the very night, I think it was the very night that we were being ordained to be commissioned to go out. We come in church, and uh, we're wearing our best because we're going to be before the church, going to be commissioned. They come up to Sister Becky. We're glad you're here. We've got something that's got to be done. Now, this is my wife, and put her in the kitchen. She can cook and do anything, but uh, put her in my garage. Uh, she wouldn't know where to turn, what to do. Uh, they needed, uh, they had a water overflow problem in a ladies' restroom 
in one of the stalls and uh, the other, the room was filled with ladies. So they needed a lady to go in. So my wife was in the, this stall in the back of the, under a toilet to turn off the water. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just showing that I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what we've been. Uh, and if you, if you know, if you're sinking, if you feel you're calling your life. You got to be willing to do whatever God calls you to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's uh, not the glorious jobs, and um, I never desired to be a, a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, I just that, that wasn't. I never sat back there in the congregation. I can do better than him, and I I, I want his job. That, that was not me. And when. Uh, uh, God spoke to our pastor about planting satellites, and, and God spoke to him that he had raised us up. And when our pastor spoke that to us, it was confirmation. And I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. Even though I never wanted it, I was okay with it. And uh, so for the past 29 years, the Lord sustained us to, to pastor, uh, full-time pastor, 25, and now we've turned it over to uh, Pastor Jeremy, our son, and uh, but we're just uh, enjoying helping and still doing what he's called me to do. So I don't have to do any specific thing, just whatever he needs today. So that's the calling. That's when we receive the calling. So, so what I what I observed from that right off the bat, there was a servant's heart, mm-hmm. and you guys did whatever God told you to do, whatever you were supposed mm-hmm. to do, whatever they needed. And you served them faithfully. Hmm. And then God called you all. Right. So it didn't happen automagically. No. You didn't walk in the building. You're called. Yeah. No, it's, that's not really how it works. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like there are people who are called. Mm-hmm. They know there's something they're supposed to do. But they just kind of, they drift away. They get tired. And they may have served in some areas. They may have been faithful in some areas. But they just want to live their own life. Yeah. And that's the dangerous ground to get in because they think, well, maybe I'm not really called. Yeah. Well, when you get called, you know it. And uh, you won't have to sell the ideal to everybody else. mm -hmm. They'll know you're you're called because when you're called, uh, you know, you hear people say this and it's almost a cliche that, uh, God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the uh, the the called, and that is a, a true statement. Because in the past 29 years, there's been times where I didn't know where to go, I didn't know what to say, I did not know what to do, but I had to do something. It was time to step up, and there's time and time again where I've st- stepped up, and all of a sudden, just God gave me things, and I look so smart. I looked like I had so much wisdom, but the key is listen and obey. Mm-hmm. When we started our church, many uh, people would sit, you know, came and said, "Oh, it's been so successful. This fell in place. This fell in place. This fell in place. Things fall in place when you're obedient." And uh, uh, they w- they would say, "I, I want to take you to lunch." I want to pick your brain. I want to find out what you did. But you know, every every city is different. Every state is different. Every country is different. Now, the Word of God is true. The same principles apply in everything. 
But what we have to do in our city, wherever God's called us, wherever God's uh, placed us, we pray and then we obey. And the other guy in the other town may have be facing the same challenge and he'll pray and he'll have to obey in a different manner or fashion uh, because different geographic locations require different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so obedience, and, and I know that's part of today's lesson is, is being obedient. Because you are obedient, I will do these things. And so uh, that's that's very important message. That uh, And I hope people understand that. That nothing is given magically. You're just not, uh, like you say, you walk in, I want this, and I'm called to it. God calls you. He equips you. But your big job is to be obedient. Amen. Amen. So he covered everything. He did. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's what's required on that. So to have a servant's heart, mm -hmm. to pray and listen mm -hmm. and be obedient. obedient. So if, if you're not obedient, and you're not praying and listening, if you're just fed up and you, all you've ever been is a servant, I will address that one. Um, sometimes you just have to ask God, you know, what is it that you really want me to do? When, when is it time? And things of that nature. Because there, there are people who get frustrated. Yeah. And I would say, are you, are you being obedient in what He wants you to be obedient in? And are you listening to what you should be listening to? Mm -hmm. Because there are times when... Uh, things in life are distracting you, mm -hmm. pulling you away from the things you're supposed to do, and there's lessons he wants you to learn. So just stay faithful and stay strong in that. Uh, yeah. And what, what, well, you know, and I just like what we're talking about the sabbatical year, you know, mm -hmm. the year of rest. Uh, you can't have the year of rest if you're not obedient uh, beforehand. Amen. And I'd also like to point out that uh, study to show yourselves approved. Oh yeah, because there may be something he wants you to do that only uh, he only wants to reveal it to you. But until you're studying and drawing close to him, you may not get to that point. Oh, you mentioned that scripture in Second Timothy uh, two fifteen. Mm -hmm. That was the first scripture I ever memorized. Uh, I that was the very first scripture when I I came across that scripture when I started reading the word. Study to show yourself a proof of workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, and if we'll do that, if we do our part, just study to show ourselves. One of the things we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God, unto God, mm -hmm. not unto man. Yeah. And when we do that, then God can trust us. God will. Uh, you know, as we obey the statutes of God's laws and God's principles, then he will equip us for, for anything. So, you know, I'm not worried about the next calling or the next phase of my life. Uh, I'm sure in the natural I'm not prepared for it. I may not even at this moment be equipped for it that I know of. But I know that if God, if I step in to what he says, then he will equip me. For that. Amen. Amen. I hope you heard all of that because <laughs> I asked all that for a reason. And it's, you know, diving into that because there's people who have a lot of questions about those things. And if you're watching this, you're a hungry person. Yeah. Because this isn't, you know, basic that yeah. we're going into. So 
you know, pay attention to that. And, you know, if you have to go back and listen to everything he said, go back and listen to it again, because he's, he's pointing out all these keys there for you. So we'll, we'll dive into our lesson, but that was great. Um, Yovel is the word for Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Now, it can mean uh, several different things, but, you know, it means uh, ram's horn and mm-hmm. uh, some other things like that. But basically freedom, uh, breaking the chains and things of that nature. Yovel is breaking away from those things. So it's, it's the Jubilee, and it happens every 50th year. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit. But uh, in verses 1 through 7 covers Sabbath, sabbatical years, the 49 years counted. In the 50th year, you get the Jubilee. Always proclaimed on Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. During a Jubilee year, there is to be no farming. Property returned to its original owners, redeeming poor men in debt. Mm -hmm. So all these things kind of take place and kind of happen. And uh, redeem is mentioned 11 times in chapter 25. In Exodus, uh, the word for redeemed is padah. And it means to ransom in order to release. However, in Leviticus, the word is ga'al. And it's used for a near relative that redeems one back. Hmm. So the word's different, and it's also used in the book of Ruth. I was just thinking of Ruth and Boaz Mm -hmm. being the redeemer. But, you I want to make a point right here. In pastoring 29 years, uh, you know, you can be talking about the Sabbath year. You can be talking about this or that. And um, many times, you know, people are, okay, okay, okay. But when you mention the Jubilee, they perk up. They're, oh, they want to know about the Jubilee. Everybody wants to know and excited about the Jubilee. Well, why is that? Because it represents restoration, I think, is a big deal of it. It represents getting back your lost inheritance, everything the devil has stolen, kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of like that mindset. A fresh start, mm-hmm. a start over. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's many people are always looking for, for a fresh start and a start over. Well, you know, you don't have to wait till just the Jubilee year. Is it, do I have to wait to a Jubilee to get a fresh start? But you start today. You start with that relationship with uh, the Lord today. Come to Him with a broken heart and come to Him with a repentant heart. And He will redeem uh, you and He will restore unto you. And uh, the Jubilee is, is awesome and exciting uh, to learn about. But our jubilee can happen when we need it. Amen. And so uh, if you're in a spot and you're, when is my season? Now is your season. Amen. So uh, we, you know, just as we were talking about the Redeemer and uh, in the book of uh, of Ruth, Boaz redeems Ruth. He he buys back the the land, the property and everything. And uh, we know that as a great story. Amen. And, you know, he just mentioned it. So uh, he he buys back Naomi's land. Mm -hmm. So Naomi had lost that land, and he was their kinsman redeemer. That's what Gaal, the word is standing for. So Mm -hmm. if you've ever had it to where, uh, hey, I've lost, I feel like, everything, Mm -hmm. or I've lost, uh, let's let's just go a little deeper. Let's just be honest about it. I've lost the call. I've lost my land. I've lost my dreams. I've lost just everything. You need a Yovel moment. You need a Jubilee moment. You need a time where you can, God can bring and restore the years that the devil has stolen. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that's what Jubilee represents. It's a mm-hmm. time of restoration. And I want to point this out. The last Jubilee that's going to happen, 
uh, in this age, which is would be the next one coming up. I'm not going to get into debates on the years, but the next one is going to be the final one before the Lord returns mm-hmm. or during that time that he does return. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at is a time when he's coming back and you get a thousand years of rest with him. Amen. What kind of a jubilee is that? The ultimate. <laughs> the ultimate jubilee. The ultimate jubilee. And that's what we have to look forward to. But, uh, you know, in, in that redeeming all, um, I'm reminded you was talking about that and you were talking about people that feel they've lost it all. Uh, in uh, First Samuel, uh, I think it's chapter 29, the story of David and Ziglag. And David had been out on a raid and he returned home. And when he returned back to Ziglag, the, the, the Milikites had raided and stolen everything. And David, they were very distraught. They were, uh, matter of fact, all of the men... His, his 600 valiant warriors, uh, mighty men, they wanted to stone David mm-hmm. and kill David. And I, I thought, why? You were old. He was with you. He didn't do anything. But they lost everything. Mm-hmm. They lost all of their possessions. They lost their children. They lost their wives. But you know what? David strengthened himself in the Lord, the scripture says. And the Lord says, David said, shall, ask the Lord, shall I pursue? Shall I recover? And the Lord says, you shall recover all. And that's a promise to us today. If you've been that one that you've lost everything, you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you pursue the Lord, and you shall recover all. It's a great story. You need to go and read that. It will encourage you and build you up, especially if you're in that situation that you're needing that Redeemer. He is that Redeemer. Amen. 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 Uh, is that uh, First Kings or Second Kings? That's in First Samuel. First Samuel. First, first Samuel. Okay. I think it's uh, First Samuel 29 uh, is where that uh, story of Ziglag is. Gotcha. See, all those blend together me because it's like First and Second yeah. Chronicles, Kings and Samuel, yeah. and sometimes I... Uh, yeah, they blend yeah. together for me a little bit. It's chapter 30, David, and chapter 30. So when he returns to Ziglag. So uh, forgive me on that. First so. Samuel chapter 30. Amen. So I've, I would encourage you to read that because it's one of the most powerful stories I know of in the yeah. New Testament. It's, it's really good. Um, so what's special about a Jubilee year? So every Hebrew manservant or every servant uh, could return to his family. Property lost uh, by debt could be returned to the original owner. Uh, no interest could be charged to a brother in need for food. So if you were uh, on hard times in a jubilee year, they just charge you for the base level food. No interest was ever charged. Hmm. So, hey, I need a loan for some food. Hey, can you help take care of me? They were supposed to take care of them. And no interest. Yeah. So. Wish my banker operated like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, children of sta- strangers could be uh, purchased to join Hebrew families as an inheritance. So uh, this is something that's saying there. You know, it wasn't about being sl- slavery and looking at it that way, but it was an inheritance you could provide for your children to have workers with. And there were laws to protect them. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was, you know, here it sometimes. So... Seven times seven is 49. So if seven represents rest and perfection, then seven times seven represents an even greater perfection. Mm. That's the way they like to describe it in this parasha. So 
Jubilee is an even greater perfection on rest, on the Sabbath. So 50 days from Passover to Pentecost to Shavuot, the giving of the Torah, and then in, uh, in New Testament times, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the ark held the tablets of the law inside, the mercy seat contained the law below it, and the presence of God sat upon the mercy seat. So I want people to get that picture in their head. The law that ends up condemning you, if you don't follow it, is covered by the mercy seat. Mm. And God's presence is upon that mercy seat. So as long as you're seeking God and putting Him first, then the mercy seat is covering the law over your life. Hmm. It's something to look at. God's covering you from being judged. Now, uh, Jesus put His blood on the mercy seat in heaven and blotted out our uh, sins for, and transgressions forever. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Uh, you got to think about it. So there's a law. Everything's a representation of what is in heaven. So the entire tabernacle was a representation. So what is the law inside the ark in heaven? Okay, it would be of even greater condemnation. What I want to point out is not that it's a greater condemnation, but this is God's perfect will for everyone. Hmm. And you either obey or don't obey. And to be true sons, you have to obey to a level, like Jesus was speaking of, if you even look upon a woman in lust, then you've already committed sin in your heart. So what is that greater law in that? And that was covered Hmm. by his blood that he sprinkled on top of the mercy seat. So that it's covered for us to not have to be absolutely perfect. But there is something written there. And I just want to point that out. And that's just a theory of mine. Hmm. But yeah. think about okay. that. Because if there's a law in on one on earth, then isn't there one in heaven? Because everything's a representation. And God told him to put it in there. Hmm. I'm just pointing something out. So what is the word? You know, Jesus is the word. What is the word that he has written on that? Hmm. And in even greater perfection. But even that has been covered. Amen. So, just something to think about. You know, when you repent, you're free from an even greater law that you even knew about. Hmm. That's just something to think about. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, if you're not testifying what God has done for you, why why did God pour out His blood for your transgression? Hmm. Being free from eternal damnation, you should be willing to talk about it. I'm just going to point that out. Uh, Are you willing to talk about what God's done for you? Who's testifying in your place? Hmm. It's something for all of us to think about. Now, I know I'm going to go. This one's going to be a little rough to get through, but I promise I'm going somewhere Mm -hmm. with all of this. Um, Part of holiness is our praise unto God, Mm -hmm. praising for all He's done for us and letting others know unashamed. Mm -hmm. Now, do you want rocks to cry out for you? No, I'm poor. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm getting serious. Well, that's here. what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. You know, so Yovel is a time of rejoicing, redemption, and and all the rest of that. But are you serving God? Are you living for God? Are you, are you opening yourself up to that jubilee? Mm. Because I'm going to say it. You know, if you're not seeking God and you're not putting Him first and you're not going for those things, you know, they had to go 
and get what was promised to them. They had to show the documentation. They had to prove. You didn't just redeem everything automagically. Right. So there's that word again. <laughs> but verse 16 through 17 warns to sell the, uh, um, sell the land by the price of the remaining years until the Jubilee. Hmm. So you weren't to, supposed to rip off your brothers. So, hey, uh, Jubilee's coming up in two years, but I'm going to charge you full price for the land. No, you're charging for two harvests. Right. So right. you only get char- charged them for two harvests. Mm-hmm. It's, it's talking about not cheating one another. So there's that principle in that. So people say, well, I can do whatever I want. It's my business and blah, blah, blah. Not really. You know, that kind of set the value mm-hmm. by how many harvests there were, mm-hmm. you know, when you were selling the piece of land. It was, you weren't really technically selling the land. You're selling the harvest off the land. Yes. So. <clears throat> and that's, that's what they're pointing out. So it's, you know, you're not supposed to cheat a brother. Right. I'm just, I'm just going to point that out. Now, anything that grew in the fields during a Sabbath year, so a lot of people don't know this, the poor could go and harvest it. it anyone could harvest. It was, you know, mm-hmm. open to them. Including foreigners living in the land. Mm-hmm. So during a Sabbath year, God still provides for the poor. Yeah. And he, he provides. There in those passages, uh, it's, it even tells us, uh, it, verse 20, uh, where it says, you might say, what shall you eat during the seventh year? Uh, since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year. Be assured, I will send my blessings for you in the sixth year. And that's what we talked about earlier, that God did it in the sixth year, so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. Mm -hmm. So there there it is right there in scriptures that we were just talking about. That's for the landowner. Mm-hmm. And the part I was talking yeah. about is for anyone who else is there. Yeah. So they could come and harvest, but right. the landowner was not allowed to. Yeah. So it says when you plant your your fields in the eighth year, you will still be eating the large crop from the sixth year. So mm-hmm. sixth, seventh, and eighth year. And uh, and there again, uh, you would also uh, have a large uh, that uh, you will still be eating from the large crop when the new crop is harvested in, in the ninth year. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's a thing. But, uh, you know, um, letting the poor, you know, there was a, uh, a law for every year of harvest. Uh, and we, it's kind of pointed out in, uh, in the book of Ruth that when the harvesters would harvest, uh, I don't know, being a farm boy, I don't know if you understand how tractors and equipment work but you can't uh, make a square turn in a field uh, when, with your equipment there. Uh, now modernized equipment, they can pick it up and move. But in the old days, uh, you left a large corner in the, in the fields. And we as young boys, uh, I grew up, uh, my dad, he worked a job, but we were tenants on a farm. And uh, we would go into the corners of the fields and we would pick the corn that couldn't be picked. Uh, and then we would raise our own hog or something of that nature or, and have corn for them. So uh, we even did that. And I'm talking my age back in the 60s as a young boy. Uh, but it was all the way back to biblical days. And you just was re- telling about that, that you had to leave uh, the corners. But then in that seventh year, then the poor could come and eat out of the fields. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. You know, uh, God's provision for the farmer, yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip that part because he just covered that. Oh. <laughs> what happens when you uh, let the land rest? Hmm. So when crops decompose unharvested, all the seed and produce goes back into the ground. So all those nutrients and everything, they go back and they, they fertilize the land and they get all this, everything that's in the seed, everything that, that miracle of growing and everything mm -hmm. else goes back into the land and it enriches the soil. So it makes the soil better, uh, uh, richer, and it produces a higher year, yield, and it becomes resistant to drought. So God knew what he was doing. And the Israelites were warned what would happen if they did not let the land rest. They ended up neglecting 70 Sabbath years. Wow. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And they, they disobeyed God in this. And the land is a sign of uh, faithfulness unto God. He, he brought them into that nation and fulfilled his end of the covenant. So, but they did not. They did not. So 490 years they did not observe to let the land rest on Sabbaths. They did not really trust in God. 70 times 7 is 490. Yes. So 70 Sabbaths, 70 years spent in captivity in Babylon. Mm -mm -mm. He let the land rest as he said he would. He warns it of here uh, that if you don't do it, he's going to let the land rest. And holiness isn't a joke. It's true. If you walk with God, if your walk with God is only on Sunday morning, then, you know... You're not really trusting God. And if you're not asking God for His direction, but only asking for God to bless the direction that you're going, eventually it'll catch up to you. Hmm. Uh, the last parsha we spoke, spoke on the parable of the virgins. So hmm. I want to point this out, and I'll be real quick about it, but they were going, the foolish ones were going the direction they wanted to go. The ones that were obedient unto God and really were seeking Him were the ones that got saved and pulled into eternity. It's not the ones that are going, hey, bless this direction I want to go, but I want to go this way, but I have a better feeling about this, but I, but I, but I, but I. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say this. Stop putting your butt in God's face. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? Ask Him, what direction do you want me to go? When I wake up in the morning, I don't ask God, Hey, how can you bless me in this plan I have over here? It's not my prayer life. Yeah. My prayer life is, what do you want me to do today? If you start out that way, mm -hmm. what direction do you want me to go? I don't put any limits on it. Why would I limit God to a certain thing that I'm, I think I, I want to do? I, I'm not going to do that. So, moving on. That's my little rant there. <laughs> he will not accept being only a part of your life. The day is coming when you're either true or you're not true. Right. And it will get pushed to the point where you have to make a choice. See, we haven't been pushed to that point yet. But the day's coming, and I promise that it's coming. And, and I believe that that day is even faster approaching than what we can imagine or think. Mm -hmm. So... I'm just going to say it this way. If you're being fake and you know you're disobedient and you know you're rebelling because you want to go a certain direction and that's just what you want to do, mm -hmm. it ain't time for that. Mm -hmm. We're running out of time. And I would warn people, be ready. Be as ready as you can be for God. You know, you mentioned the ten virgins and the five wise and five foolish. You know, the five foolish 
are basically that people are living on the edge. Mm-hmm. People that have received salvation but stopped right there. Mm-hmm. They stopped at the door of salvation. They haven't entered all in to see and experience the full blessings of God. And uh, they want to be be on the verge, ready when Christ comes, but they're still dabbling in the world. Mm-hmm. And so Christ came and they missed it. So they, they were knocking. And and they well they first they, they didn't have the right oil and they and they had to go buy oil. So um you gotta be ready all the time. And and I believe those that's the day we're living in today. Yeah. That uh, uh we've said it many times, uh we'll always say it. No man knows no man knows the day or hour when Jesus Christ will return. Uh, even we may point to things and get excited like, man, this season or this really might be it, but we don't know. And and we're not going to tell you, oh, it's going to be, you know, we're not going to do that uh, because we don't know. And uh, the pastor out there telling you, I know, I know, he doesn't know. He just doesn't know. And so uh, we want you to be ready. And with the things happening in our world today, we're getting closer and closer that we can see the, the Lord uh, coming back. And we must, we must step up at this time and, uh, and re- do what God's called us to do. Um, l- yes, last evening, we, uh, we had a young lady, a young girl in our home. And uh, my wife, she was intrigued with the piano. And, and Sister Becky can play some things on the piano. Uh, she's not fluent and plays really well, but she, she does a good job. And she was just playing a little simple song. And this young girl had never heard the song, Jesus Loves Me. Mm. Had never heard that. And uh, there are so many today that we're running across that do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. And we're living so close to the last days that it should be an urgency about us. And the pulpit has lost its urgency to mm-hmm. preach the gospel that Jesus Christ is coming back. And uh, we need to get that urgency uh, of a message out that uh, he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. But he's coming for the lost right now. And, and we're missing a great harvest and we're talking about harvest of things, but there's a harvest of souls that must be reached, and we must do it. So we encourage you take what you're learning from us, but don't just sit and be one that's a hearer only, but be a doer. Go out into your your world, your neighborhood, uh, your community, uh, share the gospel, uh, take someone to church with you, make it a point to... Uh, to build his kingdom and not our kingdom. Mm-hmm. And remember this with the uh, the parable of the virgins. They said they cast out demons and devils. They mm-hmm. healed the sick. They done all these things. And I just want to point out, are they living what, what God told them to live? Mm-hmm. Are they going that direction? Are they obedient? Mm-hmm. Because you can get the gifts and not be obedient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can do things for God. You can work like a dog. All your life, imagine doing that. Well, mm-hmm. Imagine being a servant for the church your whole life and you just never got to know God. Mm-hmm. He never really obeyed. You just mm-hmm. did what you wanted to do 
but you helped out the kingdom. His response is, I never knew you. I never knew you. So fellowship, what is key? Fellowship with God, getting to know him. What does he really want? What direction does he really want you to go? It's obedience and really getting to know him. Mm-hmm. You can't miss that because if you miss that, it costs you everything. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Even though the world hates me, I will obey and serve him. Some Christians are so caught up in their lives, they neglect God until it's convenient. I stress this because I think of those who I know doing this and imagine them hearing the words, I never knew you. So I just, that's where I had written this down. You, you went right into it. Um, you workers of iniquity. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I would never want to hear something like that. Um, you know, people cry out to God for revival. Mm. And a move of God, spirit, but do not cry out for holiness. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that. When I come to a church before I pray for revival, I look around and see what sins are being tolerated. It's just something that I do, and and I see if there's favoritism or not. Do we judge one person more harshly than another? Uh, are certain people allowed to get away with sins? There's a lot of questions in these sort of things that bother the Spirit of God that I've noticed, and it's... Uh, are we willing to call out sin? Are we willing to own up to it? Are we willing to address it? And I'm not saying you just go and embarrass a person. Trust me, I'm not saying that. Um, but there is a measure of holiness. Uh, are we obedient unto that? Because it matters to the Spirit of God. And it matters to the direction that we're going. We're teaching on holiness. And the Apostle just taught on Sunday uh, on holiness and it's it's a part it's supposed to be a part of who we are and what we're doing. So is there favoritism because of whose kid you are? Is there favoritism because of position? Is there favoritism for other things, or is uh, judgment being done fairly? Is are we calling things out? Are we really addressing the truth of all of this? Because there are people who look like they're having a hard time and may be being obedient, and there's people who are having a great time yeah. and may not be obedient. Holiness doesn't measure you by your appearance. Mm-hmm. It measures you by your obedience. But You know, on, uh, looking and talking about holiness, um, there's one thing on holiness that uh, I just want to point out. And, and you mentioned it about uh, uh, praying for a revival. Well, you know, that's a holy act. Mm-hmm. to pray for a revival. But I want to ask, have, do, when people pray for revival, do they pray correctly? And because what I hear, Lord, send us revival. Send us this. Lord, let revival fall. But you know, the prayer needs to pray. Lord, send revival to me. Revive me again to that zeal, that fire. And and I think when we're praying for revival, we need to pray personal. And when you, because when you start praying personal, there's going to be some holy encounters that you're going to have that you're going to have to do acts of holiness, mm-hmm. uh, of repentance. And because when you have start having revival, you don't care right at that moment you're into it and it's catching 
and people's going to know what you have, and then they're going to get revival. But when we start looking inward, and when you read about a lot of revivals, uh, it started at the, a true revival will start at a place of repentance. We're just experiencing a great revival at Asbury College. Uh, and if you listen to what they said, that morning they came in and, and just the Spirit of God began to fall and people began to repent and people began to uh, pour, uh, dedicate their hearts to the Lord. And then revival happened. Mm -hmm. Revival is you... Uh, repenting of sins and turning toward the Lord and that is what causes revival Amen. and that causes holiness because anytime you repent and get something out of your life then a spirit of holiness can come in so he covered my whole next section and I'm <laughs> glad he did I, I, I love it when that happens and you know it's it's that measure of holiness so you know people just going before God and being honest and true and with where they are. Because, you know, you can intercede and fight for people all the live long day. But if you're not walking it in your own life, mm -hmm. and if you are walking it in your own life, but you still desire these things, I, you still ask God, what will bring revival to me? Because mm -hmm. I'm going to say it this way. Uh, people want to see their kids. They want to see family. They want to see people they're interceding for repent and come before God and do all of these things. And I'm going to say this. Set your heart ablaze on God and forget about the rest and trust Him for it. Because when you're set ablaze, you change your circumstances not by God coming in and changing everything for you. Hmm. You change your circumstances by changing you. Amen. And I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. So, anyway. So we're now moving on to chapter 26. Okay. So we're uh, verse 3. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, verse 4, I will send you the seasonal rains, the land will yield its crops, and the trees and the field will produce its fruit. And jumping down to verse 6, I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep the enemies out of your land. Very powerful. Verse 9, I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiply your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. Verse 10, you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room Amen. for the new harvest. That's very powerful. Uh, verse 11, I will live among you, and I will not despise you. This is what the rewards for obedience are. Verse 12, I will walk among you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. So there, there is just an abundance of God's promises there. Mm, amen. God desperately wants uh, His people to follow His ways so He can bless us, so He can be personal with us, so He can be our God. Jubilee is like revival set on fire. I want you to imagine it's a more perfect time. So if revival was representative of a sabbatical year, Jubilee is revival set on fire. Yeah. But you know, all these blessings that you're just reading here, it all has a condition. Mm -hmm. Obedience. Mm -hmm. Obedience. Uh, and uh, as you fall in that obedience, God's promises are faithful to anyone that is obedient to Him. 
Amen. And you know, it's not just, I want you to look at it this way, because I don't want you to mistake this. It's not just, hey, if you obey everything that I say and never sin and walk perfectly and just radiate my presence. No, it's not what it's saying. It's saying, obey the direction I'm telling you to go. Uh So it's so important that Christians and uh, Jewish people and anyone who, who serves the living God, if you're serving the living God, you must obey the direction He's telling you to go for your own life. Where do you want me to go? Because disobedience to that is disobedience from His direction. Now you can, with sins and other things, or struggles that you're facing, repent before God, draw close to Him, yes, but He's the one that heals you. He's the one that sets you free. Uh, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Mm-hmm. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All of these things, He deals with those things when you turn them over to Him. But you have to obey the direction He tells you to go. You know, I, I do want to point this out because this is the pastor part of me coming out. Uh, he, he's, one of the things He focuses on here is the Sabbath. And to keep the Sabbath, be obedient to the laws of the Sabbath. So, how can we be obedient to the laws of the Sabbath? Attend church. Uh, you, you know, I understand we work all week, and I understand that we have a set of golf clubs or a boat or or a hunting rifle. Uh, but um, the the Sabbath. Is, is holy, and it needs to be set apart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think as we and the Lord has shown us, even here in this passage, it's talking about the Sabbath. And, and you know, if you do that and honor the Lord, then all of these blessings are going to come up on, on an individual. And uh, there's so many today that the first thing that they give up is church mm-hmm. the first thing they give up? Uh, you know, speak to young people, teenagers. Uh, a young man, young woman, they they turn eighteen. Now I can do what I want to do, and the first thing they do, they they quit serving God. They uh, they get away from God. Uh, that's the biggest gap from eighteen. You know, from eighteen until mid late twenties. And what normally, if, if it brings people back, it's that first child. Because now they have a responsibility to a child, and they say, well, I don't want my child to grow up without knowing God and knowing the blessings that I knew as a child. But look what they miss out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very uh, uh, vulnerable time for teen- young people to miss knowing God between that teenage year and that mid to that 30th age because you can, you're going to set the stage for life right in those times. God wants us to honor Him. Um, you know, with young people, it's, uh, you have to learn to get them to set their heart ablaze. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is if young people aren't seeking the Holy Spirit, if they're not seeking God, if it's just words written and mm-hmm. they have to hear it every day and hear it every Sunday and things of that nature, if it's just, hey, we have to do this because we're going to this church, and you're not really setting their heart ablaze. And if someone is seeking the Holy Spirit and they're getting to know God and they're doing these things, then they stay in these things. Mm. 
But if you're getting away from it and there's always an excuse or they don't have to seek him, there's no revival happening in their own life, if they're not being addressed with the things going on, if it's just life as normal and just continues, then you're not having young people set their heart ablaze. And I firmly believe that if you let them seek the Holy Spirit and draw close to him and get that relationship, once they find out he's real and I can talk to him, And he can talk to me. It changes things. But if there's no room for the Holy Spirit in their life because they're busy with school, they're busy with sports, they're busy with everything, and there's no place to say, Holy Spirit, have your way, Mm. and really let them set their heart ablaze on that, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggles. Well, all right, we're talking about being obedient, walking in the blessing. Mm Mm-hmm. There's an opposite side, not being obedient. Mm-hmm. So what happens? What is it going to tell us if we're disobedient to God? Well, perfect What's timing. <laughs> uh, it starts with the priests, the mm-hmm. ministers, and the ones that pray for them and intercede for them. Uh, Israel did not obey the Sabbath of the land, and they paid for it. Obedience is key, but what did the priests do? Now... They didn't enforce the Sabbath years mm-hmm. and the rest of this. So in chapter 26, we're going to dive right into this. And I've wrote this out, a piece from each scripture, showing you a timeline of things that God is saying to them, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So if you do not obey, verses 14 and 15, 16, I will punish you. 17, I will turn against you. 18, if you still disobey, 19, I will break your proud spirit. 20, all your work will be for nothing. 21, I will inflict disaster seven times over for your sins. 22, your numbers will dwindle. 23, if you fail to learn the lesson. 24, I, then I will, myself will be hostile towards you. In verse 25, I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. 26, I will destroy your food supply. Look at America, folks. Amen. 27, if you still refuse to listen, 28, then I will give full vent to my hostility. 29, you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. Do you know what they're putting in our food? I'm not even going to go there. But 30, I will despise you. 31, I will make your cities desolate. We've seen that happen. 32, I myself will devastate your land. 33, your land will become desolate. Your cities will lie in ruins. 34, the land will finally rest. 35, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take. 36, those who survive, I will demoralize you. 37, you will have no power to stand up against your enemies. 38, you will die among foreign nations. 39, you who survive will waste away in your enemy's land. 40, but at last my people will confess their sins. 41, at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled. 42, I will will remember my covenant. 43, they have continually, continually rejected my regulations and decrees. 44, despite all of this, 45, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors. Amen. So, we see the things God will do if we're not obedient. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't leave us that. He turns around if we repent. Mm-hmm. Goes back, we was talking about the Redeemer. 
the coming back to that altar, then God can restore. So someone today that's living in a, a life of rejection or disobedient to God, it's that coming back at the heart of repentance. And God will redeem them, restore them all back today. Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I know I went... <laughs> that was great. It was but, tremendous. Uh, so they never listened in time. Mm. It didn't happen in history when you look. Mm. Jeremiah cried out so many times, was put in positions he never wanted to be in, mm-hmm. but was made to do it anyway. You know, he said, my, my bones feel like they're on fire. It was you know, one way you could yeah. translate it. He had to speak. But they never listened to him. Everything God promised he would do happened. America isn't in danger of the same thing. Yeah. How many Christians has the Lord God warned and it has gone unheard? Hmm. I'm pointing something out because there's just, it's fallen on deaf ears. Hmm. You know, we speak about repentance. Oh, but there's grace for everything. We talk about holiness. Oh, well, you know, God took care of all of that on the cross. We talk about being faithful unto God. Well, you know, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. And it's amazing how many one little line sentences have destroyed people's walk with God Mm -hmm. and their congregation. Right. So you can be uh, wealthy and doing great and be living in sin. You can be a Christian, uh, you know, circles awful. They, they also, just because someone is doing well, no one asks any questions. Hmm. And in fact, uh, folks uh, talk about them positively. Oh, do you see this one? Oh, they're doing so well. Look, they, oh, they come in, they're just radiant and they're shining and, you know, things are just going so well. And uh, even showing them off and sometimes praising them and say, hey, look at this brother and some of these things. And the, the danger is revealed in its due time. Hmm. The danger is revealed in its due time. You can't sit there and fake your way through this kind of stuff. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I'm not blaming the pastors entirely there because sometimes they they don't know. Mm. They really don't know. But there are people who are faking it and living in sin and there's not being called out and not being corrected and they think they'll get away with it at times. There is, there's some things going on there. God's going to address these things. It's coming to that time. Uh, This age will come to a close soon enough. Mm. And pray to God to know His true will for your life before it's too late. I know this message has been harsh. We're almost done. And uh, chapter 27 covers all the vows people can make and vows with animal sacrifices, vows with other things of that nature. Mm. And, uh, you know, what the price of the vow is and things. I'm not going to go into much of that because I know we're... uh, we're running a little long today. Yeah, we. Uh, you let the preacher loose a little bit today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't mind if you don't mind. But, uh, you know, in a jubilee year, uh, land is consecrated unto God and it is not redeemed to the original owner. Mm-hmm. So that, what I want to say there is if you give land to a church or something, then it's not redeemable because it's... It's owned by the Levitical priest back then. They didn't own land. And in today's time, uh, you give it to a church and a jubilee year comes around and you start quoting this stuff. Uh, land that's turned over to God's work, consecrated unto God, stays. Mm. That's not redeemable. And uh, that's part of it. Uh, but 
If you follow my statutes if, and observe my laws, you will do them. Then I have given your rains in their time, and the land will give its produce, and the tree of the field will give its fruit. So uh, James uh, chapter 1, 22 through 25, Apostle's going to read that. Uh, in verse 22, do not uh, just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you will only... You're, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. Amen. Obedience to God. Obedience to God. So we've come to the end of the book of Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And every time at the end of a book, the uh, Jewish people speak, uh, Hazak, Hazat, Venit, Hazak. And it means be strong, be strong, and may you be strengthened. Amen. And that would be our word for you today. Amen. So be strong in God. And next week's parasha is Bamidbar, and that means in the wilderness. And that's Mm -hmm. what the name of the book of numbers actually means the midbar mm. uh but we just call it the book of numbers but uh hopefully you'll join us next week the apostle is actually going to be on vacation i got a special guest coming so that'll be interesting but uh any final word no i just want to encourage you today uh don't give up uh it's not hopeless uh god is uh, is always in the redeeming business and uh at any time, you can email us, call us, uh, and uh, we will pray with you. We will set time aside to uh, help you uh, in your journey because we're on a journey. And uh, the, But we do know the Lord is uh, returned, is, is soon, and we don't want you to miss out. We don't want your family to miss out. And uh, so uh, just be encouraged that God is uh, is speaking and uh, this is the time to draw close to him be obedient to him but god bless you and thank you for watching uh check us out share our video with some friends uh let them know uh what we're doing and uh just be encouraged amen thank you god bless and you have a glorious day amen